Psalm 27. Let's lift this one verse, but keep your Bible open because we will refer not only to here but to other places. Verse 8. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now, we looked at this last week and we covered quite a bit of ground. I'm not going to do anything really to do with a recap from last week at all or whatsoever. So we're going to continue on. So if you missed last week, uh, you can either watch it if you'd like online, or else if you missed last week, um, you're not going to really miss much now in today's. So don't be thinking you need to join them together. Notice what the psalmist said here. David says in verse 8, When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. And we looked at how the call comes from God. Everything in our life, from our salvation, right to our keeping, it was prayed this morning, is kept by the Spirit of God. And even though at times we win, we fail, we falter, we fall, yet in all of it, it's His keeping power. It's what Christ has accomplished and it's Christ alone that keeps us. It's his drawing in our lives as believers. His spirit drawing us. Drawing us to service. Drawing us to go in on the right path with him. Sometimes we feel like it's a pushing us. But nevertheless you'll find it's a drawing of us. And notice here the psalmist says. When thou saidest it's in italics in your King James Bible. That does not mean to say that we cannot use it. We can because it's in the context that's written in for the flow of our English language, so it's perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And the idea is that God calls. You see, the sinner is dead in trespasses and in sin until God calls. He calls through the preaching of the gospel, the witness, the testimony of what Christ has done in our life. But the whole way through our lives is God calling us. This is the way we walk in it. It's God directing us, and it's through the word of God that he directs us. Directs us how to live. Live holy, live righteous. He enables us, but he also directs us. So when I said us, the psalmist said, so it's as if the psalmist here, and we'll look at it maybe this morning. I might need one more morning on this, but the psalmist is looking for God. And he's asking, where are you? And he says in verse 7, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me, and answer me. Where are you? I don't ever feel like that. Where are you in this situation, Lord? Where are you at this present point in time? Where are you with what's going on in my life, and what's going on in my home, and how I'm feeling in my own self, and in my heart, and in my mind? Where are you? And the idea of this is the answer, and we'll look at it a little more later on. He says... Seek my face. Simple as that. There's your answer. But I am asking you, he says, from the heart. Notice, when thou saidest, it takes God to call, it takes God to make the initiating move. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart. Here's the reply. My heart, not my lips. My heart said unto thee. Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Now, we looked and finished last week. This is the only bit we'll be recapping is on this last little point. The word for face, F-A-C-E, the word for face here is a word, ponim. And ponim is used 
many times throughout Scripture for someone's face. It means that bit which turns, you know, you turn left or right, it's your face that turns if someone's back is to you, believe it or not, last Sunday, I think it was, I was walking up the center here, and there's this tall young girl with her back to me talking to someone, I thought, oh, there's somebody new in church, and the end up was my daughter. <laughs> I didn't realize it was her. <laughs> I didn't even recognize my youngest one. It was Ellie. But as soon as she turned around, I went, how did I not recognize, how do you not recognize your own daughter? But my mind must have been somewhere else, and I seen her face. I recognized her by her face as soon as I seen it. So the face, as we know, we all have one, that part which turns. That's what it means in the Hebrew here. And it's used 76 times as well in the Old Testament. 76 times for presence. So now let's look at it with the term presence. When I said, seek ye my presence. My heart said unto thee, thy presence, Yahweh, thy presence, Jehovah, thy presence, Lord, will I seek. See the difference now when we are breaking this down? You see, the idea of it is God says, I'm everywhere, but I want you to seek me. God who sought us out unto salvation, not you who sought God out, God who sought us out to bring us unto salvation says to us in our Christian walk with him, in our relationship with him, seek my presence. But you're everywhere, Lord. But the idea is that's why it's face, because it gives the idea where that which is turned toward you. We call it in, if you want, Christian circles, the immediate presence. Or some call it the felt presence. In other words, his presence that we're aware of, that we're conscious of, his presence that makes the feast, his presence that changes the heart, his presence that's in the meeting that Ryan prayed about this morning. We're in the presence of God. That's the face. So this morning, when we came to worship, I don't know where your heart was when he says, come and seek my face. I'll tell you where my heart was. My heart was with him, seeking his presence. You see, we can come to church and we can do all the ritual and we go through all the things and we can say the right, right rhetoric and we can bring all the right fancy words and we can have marbles in our mouth and talk like somebody who's very eloquent and not have the presence of God. There's no spirit about them. And then you get the Joe Bloggs of five-eighths like me who left school without exams and ended up a rack. God lifts from the dunghill as it was prayed off this morning. And he sits among princes to inherit the throne of his glory who has that relationship of presence. And once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, not that your denomination or any denomination is good, once you've tasted and seen that his face towards you, his presence is good, there's none but Christ can satisfy. There's nothing will satisfy the heart of man and woman but the presence of Christ. And the redeemed, the, the regenerated, the, the, those who are regenerate by the Holy Spirit, that is. Not degenerate, regenerate. There's plenty who live life and call themselves believers, but they're degenerate. They live wrong. They think it's all right to live how they like. Degenerate life. This is the regenerate will follow him in the regeneration as he speaks of. 
following him in this life to rule and reign with him in the life that is to come. And those who are saved will realize. I was just talking to someone very recently. And because of the Spirit of God who had come and dealt with them and they have yielded to, they spoke about something. They said something maybe they shouldn't have said and they realized how much it grieved the Spirit in them. So they learned from it. That's what we do. We are not to grieve the Spirit. But yet there are others and other times we all lived in that past life when we would have said or done things that we never even thought of the Spirit because we were dead in trespasses and in sins. But now because we're regenerate, we're alive, we're born again unto God, we live right. We live right, we walk right, we talk right. Is it because God's a God with a big stick ready to beat us all up and hammer us all down? No, because we love him. Because we reverence him, because we respect him. We want to live before him. We want his presence, his face. So this morning, when we were in worship, I was conscious of his face in the meeting. Conscious of his presence with us. The idea is that bit which turns like Moses turned aside to see the burning bush. To behold more of what is happening with this bush that's burning, yet it's not consumed. And it's the same idea that God who is omnipresent everywhere at once, yet at some place, point in time, whether it's in a meeting, whether it's in private, wherever you are, seeking his face, just speaking to him, worshipping him, loving him, looking for him, suddenly he shows up in the sense that he just turns his face to you. And you're aware of it and you know it. You're conscious of it. This is what the psalmist is saying. When thou saidest. So God calls us to seek his face. When thou saidest. So Lord, if you've said it, that settles it. We must do it. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my pardon, seek ye my presence, my heart. So there is where the seeking starts from within. The call of God that reaches the heart will drive you on in him. Draw you on closer to him. My heart said, not my head. You can have all the head knowledge you want. You can cross all the T's you want. You can dot every I. Jot and tittle, read right to left in the Hebrew. You can do it all. You can know it inside and out. It's all in the head. But Christ looks upon the heart. He wants the heart. God speaks to the heart. Notice with me if you'll turn to Psalm 16, please. Since we're in the Psalms, it's easy to flick over to this. 16th Psalm. Just let your eye run down. We should all know this verse very well. Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Notice, thou wilt show me. The Lord will show the Lord leads, the Lord guides, the Lord calls, the Lord draws, brings us along to the path of righteousness. It's 
all of him, you see. And I'm going to bring this into the New Testament or the New Covenant to show you that it's the Lord that's within you does this. Brother or sister, I want to emphasize something to you this morning. And I said with some of my own struggles, worries, fears, problems as being a human being. You think I can't. You can't. You think it's impossible. Listen, the scriptures tell us all things are possible through him. I can't, I can't do all things through Christ. In context of what the scripture means. It doesn't mean to say you jump out of an airplane without a parachute and think you're going to land on your two feet. And everything's fine. In context of what the scripture means. You can. You say, I'm never going to make it. Yes, you are. Yes, you will. Because he is with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. They forsake nor they leave. Never will I, he says, back the front. It doesn't matter what way you look at it. He says he won't leave you. So here's the thing. What do I do? Seek ye my face, he says. Seek my presence in your situation. Lord, I don't know how to. Simple. Sit down with the word and just read. Simple as that. Notice here, thou wilt show me the path. See in this one verse, if you, here's three wee points for the preacher. And you can get a sermon out of it by, while you're here. You have the path, the presence, and you have the pleasures. The path of life. The presence of God and the joy of that presence. And you have the pleasures of the Lord forevermore. And so the word here, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. It's the word ponim. When I am aware of your face. When I know I have your attention and you have turned toward me. It's not that God turns away from you. Because he's omnipresent, he will not leave you nor forsake you. It's when you're aware that his face is toward you. Being aware that he loves you. We always have this idea that God has this massive big baseball bat. And he's ready to kill you the first time you fail. That's not what it... The scriptures don't tell us that. His people, the ones he loved from before the foundation of the earth. The ones whom he drew and called and bought with his blood. He's going to beat the life out of you with a big baseball bat stick. No. He may chastise at times, especially through the word, to bring you into line. He may allow things if we wander so far away in order to bring us back again. But that's through his love and not for his own pleasure, but for our good. He may allow those things, but your God, your heavenly father loves you. He says, seek my face. When my dad was alive, and maybe I hadn't seen him all week, I should drive down to the shore road in Belfast, go to the door, and I used to open the door, and I used to slam it in my face and say, I don't want to see you, I haven't seen you all week. Did not indeed. He did not indeed. As soon as he opened the door, there was a smile on his face. I'm so glad to see you. Come here. He used to hug Alice and the girls and manly to see he used to slap me in the back, you know. <laughs> but I knew what he meant. <laughs> I knew what he meant. 
And he was so happy to have us with him, to spend time with him. I talked to him all the time on the phone, but to be face to face, there's something different about face to face. Look, see, in this modern technology, sometimes we can send messages or texts or WhatsApp or whatever. I see these photographs, Instagram, or whatever you call it. I don't have them included in Instagram and that stuff. But listen, you can't get the meaning that's really behind what you're saying in it. And it can be taken up even the wrong way. So you get the emojis, you know, look, I'm really happy about it. Or, <laughs> or sometimes the emoji means, you know, it's mine through my teeth at you, you know. But nevertheless, it's when you're face to face. Alison would say to me sometimes, why don't you ring such and such? And I'd say, no, I want to see them face to face. No, I can catch their spirit. And when I'm speaking to them, I'm talking to the Lord, I'm going, show me, Lord. I want to read their heart. Show me. I want to read their spirit. And he does it. And he does. Here's the thing. Face to face means more than just looking one upon another, but catching the spirit. Catching the spirit. God said, when thou sayest unto me, seek ye my face, he said, catch my spirit as it were. Catch my heart for you. So when it comes to our hearts and says, when thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, your presence, your face, Lord, will I seek after. Does anybody here, I know I'm straying off this, I'm definitely going to do another morning. Does anybody here ever think or get the idea that our fleshy, carnal nature Sometimes you just see how it speaks of depravity and death. Does anybody else feel like that at times? Where you're conscious of God's presence and you're walking in God's presence and sometimes then you realize just feel carnal and you feel the old man or the old woman and I hate that. I hate that. You know why? Because I want the old man, the old nature to die, crucified every time, that the new nature might grow, which is Christ, and live in me. So we must seek his presence. We must seek his face. The psalmist in Psalm 16, David says in verse 11, In thy presence is fullness of joy. Now, I'm not trying to offend anyone, okay, before we go any further here. I promise I'm not trying to offend. I'm not speaking of anyone in particular. Let's talk about it in a general sense because I've been in many churches, many meetings, many halls of priests, different countries and all this sort of stuff. And while I've been there, I've seen many, many, many different people with different faces. And I'm not saying whether they look good or bad or indifferent. It's not about how they look. It's the demeanor. In thy presence is in thy presence is fullness of joy. And so like God's presence comes into a meeting. <laughs> There's more starch in their collar, their neck, their head would fall off before their collar would bend, you know. Come on. 
Do you get what I'm I'm saying here? In thy presence, when you turn your face, there's fullness. Not some. Not some. Fullness of joy. It's like Psalm 56, I think. I'll have to look it up. David says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Maybe Psalm 55. My mind's slipping there on that. The joy. People have lost the joy. Do you know it's a joy to be saved? It's a joy to know your sins are forgiven. It's a joy to know that you're under the blood. It's a joy to know your Father will never leave you nor forsake you. It's a joy to know that he wants to give you more as a believer, that he wants more for you in your life, your home. It's a joy to know that he's protecting your family and he's protecting your marriage. It's a joy to know that he's the same yesterday and today and forever. It's a joy to know that I'm saved and I'm on the road to glory, not because of me, but in spite of me. It's a joy to know that when I fail and fall and falter and lag behind and it happens on a regular basis with all of us yet he remains the same it's a joy it's a joy it's a joy when we read his word David says in another psalm Psalm 119 he says I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth a great spoil. I used to go out in metal detecting. Has anybody ever been metal detecting? I'm the only two sorrows in the whole place. Cam, me and you. I was made to go. I don't know if you went free well or not, but I was made to go. My dad used to take me out metal detecting when we were younger. And I was just silent across the grass, over the hills, over the cave hill. And I was soaked to the skin. I was like, four hours later, you know. Oh, come on. And then suddenly... He's zoned in on it. And he gets down and he gets the chisel out of whatever in the trial and he digs a hole in the ground and he, and he turns it over. Remember the old Coke tins used to pull the ring off? <laughs> Found maybe about four million of those throughout the years. <laughs> oh no. He did find other things. He found he found uh, he found different coins and things like that. But he also he found bullets as well one day. But anyway, so he, you know, so you're beep, beep, beep. And you're, and you're standing there with this metal detector. And see whenever he found one coin that was actually maybe an old coin of worth or an old coin that was rare. Maybe it wasn't worth much, but he enjoyed it. The joy in his face, it was, it was like, I was waiting on the glory cloud coming. Then I, look at this, son. And I'm like, yeah, right, get me home soaking, you know. He found the joy in that. He found a spoil. See, when we are reading the Word of God, or the Word of God is preached, and something comes from the Word and hits our hearts, David says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth a great spoil. Oh, Father, you've spoken to me this morning. You've talked into my life this morning. Right into my heart. Right into my situation. You've confirmed through the word this morning. You'll never leave me nor forsake me. You said you're bringing me through. I'm going to rise over this and above this, Lord, that you're for me, not against me. Your love is everlasting to me. Oh, God, great is the joy of my salvation. 
It's joy to be saved. It's a joy. It's a joy to see people saved. It's a joy to see people go on with God. It's a joy to see you gathering together this morning in his house and his presence to seek his ponim, his face together. It's a joy to hear the singing and the musical instruments playing. It's a joy to be together and God to come to want to bless every one of you together. Every one of us. It's a joy, brothers and sisters. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. How do we get our joy restored? Here's how we get it. Go and get another good look at Calvary. Get back to the cross and see what he paid for you. Where he brought you from. Our brother prayed it, Kyle prayed it this morning. For that brought me up also out of an horrible pit. And from the merry clay. And set my feet upon a rock. And established my goings. That's put a new song in my mouth. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. Says the psalmist. Now that, that doesn't. Set you in fire your woods wet. Yeah. Come on. The joy. Joy of loving Christ. What? that sound strange? The joy of loving Christ. No, it's not strange to me. Because when I got saved, I formed a relationship with him where I've come to know him more and more. And the more I love him, I know him, the more I love him. He grows sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in Who knows that? Mum will sing it. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. He grows sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. Oh, what love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over. Let's sing it again. I keep Bless him. Oh, we worship him. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I keep falling in love with him over and over. We love you, Lord. Yes, Jesus. He grows sweeter and sweeter as the day goes by. Oh, what love between my Lord and I. I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. See, don't you think about it already? Aren't you thinking about it already? Because, you see, you realize that he has never left you nor forsaken. He's with you. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Not a little fullness. Rand Pratt at the outside of the meeting, he used to go to places where he used to take different substances to make him feel high. Something like that, wasn't it? And so did I. There's no substance here but the substance of faith and what Christ has done and the power of the Holy Ghost in the life. That's all we need. That's all we need, brothers and sisters. 
greatest high. We say it with reverence. He says it with reverence. I say it with reverence that the greatest high, if I can use that word, the, the, the ec- ecstatic feeling of knowing Christ is from the heart. It's not in the, it's not in the physical members, but from the heart. Lord, I love you because you first loved me. That's back to the cross for you, but that's back to eternity for him. He loved you even before you were born. In thy presence, when your face is with us, there's fullness of joy at thy right hand. There are pleasures forevermore. Let me just show you a few scriptures then. This is this morning. We're going to close. I feel God's spoken and he's spoken to our hearts this morning. You notice here the psalmist says in Psalm 16, verse 11, At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Notice God doesn't say, Seek ye my hand, but seek ye my faith, my presence, my pondering. For example, let's bring it just briefly into the New Covenant. Um, if we will go to John's Gospel. The New... Pardon me, the, 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 the New Testament reveals all that's in the Old. You can't have one without the other. And when you speak of right hand, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore... We see the right hand in scripture, it's not that God has a, the only physical right hand that God has is the right hand of the Savior himself. The right hand is not a literal right hand, he's a spirit, he's everywhere. Where's God's right hand? But it speaks of power, it speaks of authority, and it speaks of fellowship. So Christ seated in light that is an unapproachable light at the right hand of the Father, it means in the Father's power, with the Father's authority. What does he say? All authority is given unto me in heaven and on earth. He sits at the right hand or the majesty on high, which means he is in the place of power and authority, the unapproachable light of the Father, the glory of the Father. Notice this. So the right hand speaks of authority. John's Gospel, chapter 1. And verse 12. But as many as received him, not as received Christ. But as many as received him, to them give you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. The word power is exousia. Exousia. And it means the authority. The right, the privilege. So when we have believed on the name of Jesus and we have trusted in him and the blood, we receive the exousia, the power of God. Okay? The authority it is. So notice the word power there, but it means the authority of power. It's like someone goes to arrest you uh, because you maybe haven't... Uh, paid your bills or something and you're going to be arrested you've done something wrong and 
you say, well, what authority have you? What power have you? I have the authority of such and such a state or, or, or city hall or whatever it is. I have the authority of the law, such and such a code. So that's what you have as a believer. That's the authority. And then the next chapter, 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The word there is for power is not exousia, but dunamis. Dunamis. That's where we get our word dynamite from. <laughs> You'll receive dynamic power when the Holy Ghost comes on you. You'll be filled with dynamic power when the Holy Ghost baptizes you, in other words, he's saying. And so here we have authority by the right hand. We have the power or the dunamis. And then we have the fellowship in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse 9, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. So we have in John 1 and 12, the authority of the Father. We have in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9, we have fellowship with the Son. And that's the right hand that you have. You already have his hand. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. It's not pleasures to do what we want and to feed our flesh and to meet our greed. Yes, he meets our need, but to give us all our greedy demands. The pleasures aren't to be sensual, that we, we, we feed upon the lust of our flesh. The pleasures are this, the joy of salvation, the power of the Holy Ghost, the authority of the Word of God that you have or according to the Word of God, the fellowship with His Son, how sweet it is, the love, the grace, the mercy. All of these pleasures are for you. It's the right hand. The right hand are pleasures. But what about the name? In your presence there's fullness, Lord. When your face is turned toward us. So it's understanding we have God's hand. Yes, we don't seek his hand. We seek his face. It's not that we can't ask God for things that we are in need of or bring our petitions to him. We can. But to seek him you'll have everything. Seek him and you'll have everything. It's understanding that we don't seek provision, but we seek the provider. We don't seek healing, but we seek the healer. We don't seek the gifts of the spirit, but we seek the giver. We don't seek his hand, we seek his face. You know, to seek his hand and not his face is like saying, Lord, I want what you, I want what you give, but I don't want you. I want what you give me, but I don't want you. And there's people who are regimented in their ways and they can bring the most wonderful words out of their mouth and there's no heart we will pray for this and that and the other that's okay I'm not against anyone doing that but it must be from the heart I want you Lord 
I want who you are. Lord, if I could change you, if I could change you, I never would dare. Because you are the one I love. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Lord. I don't want anyone else. Here's a little challenge, and that's me finished. Here's a little challenge for you. Set yourself a while. Work it out yourself. I don't mean a half an hour. Set yourself a week. Longer, more, less, whatever. Try not to ask God for one thing. Try it. The first thing you're going to do, you're going to start in praise. The next thing will be, Lord, would you? Try it. I do it on a regular basis to try and get the shopping list out of my head. Don't ask him for anything. What do you speak to him about? Well, here's the thing. He's the God of glory. What is there not to speak about? He's the king of heaven. What is there not to give him glory for? Worship him. Love him back. Listen. See if someone's sick and you've been praying for them. Dare I say this? Don't seek his hand. Seek his face. And let him be God. Try it. You'll find that you're going to enter into a different relationship with him. Sometimes a human being get to a point, and I, I think pastors get there. I don't know. I get there sometimes, maybe. And you get to a point, you go, I have nothing else to give. I, 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 I have nothing else to give these people. I don't mean you in particular, but this is pastors I've talked to. They're drained and they're dry. They've went empty. And every, not only just pastors, others, they're tired. Because people are looking and looking and give and expecting and they're draining and they're taking and they're taking. And you're saying, I just love somebody to come alongside me and say, let me hold up your hands. Like Aaron and her held up the hands of Moses when they're fighting the Midianites. Let me hold up your hands. Let me hold you up in prayer. Let me come along. Is there anything you need? Why don't you rest? Do you ever get like that sometimes? Whether it's in family or friends or church or whatever. Well, imagine all of us. Although God never wearies nor never tires. Please don't get me wrong. But I must have been in God's ears when we are always. My Aunt Daggy's big toe. And my granny's hurt her wee finger. And this one's got a chipped tooth. And all this sort of stuff. And it would surprise you. I just woke up in the middle of the night with that one time, a phone call, not from here. Pastor's an emergency. And I went down, I was like on the phone, Alison got the phone, I said, hello, what's wrong? My daughter's chipped her tooth. I'm not joking, you wanted me to drive to Dublin to visit her in the middle of the night for a chipped tooth. You have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> I was like, don't know why I told you that. <laughs> And there's been many more, many different ones. 
I find myself praying for a chipped tooth over the phone. How do you pray for a chipped tooth? <laughs> Lord, uh, just help this chipped tooth, you know. But I'm not, and I'm not trying to bully that because it means something to the person. But here's the thing. Sometimes you have nothing left. And sometimes it's like, Lord, I'm drained and I don't see this answer that I'm looking for. Stop looking for the answer and start seeking his face. Stop asking him. Here's the list, Lord. You might as well write in a bit of paper. Lord, there's it there. Read it. That's okay. That's my prayer life over. I'm away. Talk. Worship. Love him. Lord, see without you in my life. Lord, I know where I'd be. See without you, Lord, I'd be lost and empty. Lord, if I didn't have you, I'd have absolutely nothing. Start talking to him. Start loving him, Lord. I want you to know that I love you with all of my heart. Lord, I know I get cold and I know that I'm down at times or I know that I struggle or whatever. But Lord, really deep inside me, you know my heart. Will you help me? How weak are we? We need God to help us to love him. Help me to love you more. Who's ever prayed that? Be honest. Me too. Help me to love you more. You know what I said it this morning on the way to the, down here in the car? There's about, a, I don't know why you call them a whole lot of cyclists, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they call them a, a, a squad or a gaggle or what you call a cyclist. What do you call a bunch of cyclists? Loads of them. Seven miles at 15 miles an hour. There's that many of them. And I was stuck behind a line of traffic. Seven miles. And uh, I was nearly losing my sanctification coming down the car. And I'm going, Ken, keep yourself right. You have to preach this morning. <laughs> I was going, oh, come on. But you know what? It's how you think about it. I started feeling myself getting annoyed at them. And I thought, Lord, this is giving me time to talk to you on the way down the road in the car. He says, Lord, help me to love you more. And then I thought, Lord, how ridiculous am I? That you are the Lord of glory. And I'm asking you to help me love you. How poor is that? When you uphold all things by the word of your power. Your splendor and glory knows no bounds. And I'm in a car behind these cyclists. And I'm driving along saying, help me to love you more. And you've given me everything I need. Church. Church, fall in love with him. C-E-T, let's put it just, I know many watch it online, but C-E-T, let's fall in love with him. See, when you do, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and... If you said, we'll stop right now, okay? I'm not talking anymore. And... Shall be added unto you. See, we're looking at all the things to be added first. He says, Oh, no, 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 no. You seek first the kingdom and righteousness, and then comes the blessing.